Welcome to the Commerce Famous Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Marks. This is episode four. And with me is one of the most prodigious people I've ever met in this space today. Uh, his name is Kelly Getch. He's currently at Commerce Tools. But Kelly, what makes you Commerce Famous? <laughs> uh, I don't know about famous. Um, infamous, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen your posts on LinkedIn. Despised? Uh, no, I'm a... I, I'm opinionated. I have, I have an old boss who used to call me very opinionated. Um, I uh, I like saying our APIs at Commerce Tools are unopinionated, but I am opinionated. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm out there online. Let's put it that way. Well, as long I mean I think as long as the opinion is really well informed, right? That that's what matters, right? It's one thing if you it's one thing to have strongly held opinions, but if they're not if they're if they're coming from way out in the left field, then well at the very least they're just not applicable to everyone. But I'd say, you know, I, I know I, I appreciate the things that you put out there. I think we have similar philosophies on uh, on this space, but you know, just to give people some background about where these opinions are coming from, um, I actually had not noticed before, uh, you know, until I was preparing for this, uh, until I was preparing for this episode, that you actually you were a, like a leadership facilitator. So you were you were you were doing training in like college and high school groups. Can, can before I go any further, can you just tell me a little bit about that? That was great. Um, so I live in uh, northern Wisconsin, and we had these uh, these groups come up from Chicago, typically, but you know all over all over the country even. And it would be um, college groups. It would be in some cases high school groups. Um, sometimes they were corporate groups. And I'll tell you, there's no better way to team build than dividing people into groups of ten and putting packs on their back and going canoeing out in the woods for. 10 days, five days, you know, I guess that, and that, that's good for team building at the very least. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you have to carry in all your food and you canoe all day and you have to portage your canoe and you're cooking over an open fire that you just made, um, you know, you're sleeping together, you know, in the same, in the same tents. Um, I'll tell you, there's no better way to, to get a team to gel. Um, this is not a let's all get together at a nice five star resort. It's let's get dirt under our fingernails and build a fire tonight so we can eat. So, so how do the how do the corporate retreats work at, at Commerce Tools? Are you are you all just you know go spelunking through the woods or? <laughs> I mean, actually, no. So I'm I'm making I'm, I'm I'm playing a little bit here, but you know you must that 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 experience must have informed. We'll, we'll get into the rest of your you know your your greatest hits here. But that must have informed the work that you've done because along the way, because it seems like you went you went straight from that into um, into leading teams at 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 you know pretty pretty recognizable and substantial brands. Well, I actually spent so I, it was a summer camp that's attached to this. Um, it's a tripping camp. It's called Manitowish, and I really liked that camp. It was a good experience to spend all that time in the woods um, in my my formative years. Because I think, you know, all too often today is like, we're not challenged as people, right? Mm. When you're in high school, middle school, you know, there's academics, sure. There's some social work, sure. But when you have to portage a canoe with a pack on your back through pouring cold rain for six hours, that makes you stronger as a person. And when you can't make a fire because the ground is wet and you're starving, I'm making it sound, you know, worse than it was. Some some days were gorgeous, but you know, there were days you just didn't eat, right? When you have to be that, when you have to clean out your own, you know, plate 
and throw it in your pack and then eat from that same plate day after day and you know deal with mosquitoes and biting flies and paddling upriver for three days straight like that that's adversity it's fake adversity but it's really important i think in the development of 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 kids these days and i think so many kids are just missing that experience you know, it is it is interesting the trials and tribulations that you go through, and and for what it's worth, you know what you're what you're talking about. I remember, you know, some of the strongest memories I have uh, from my childhood uh, are from backpacking with my dad. He um, he was a Dartmouth guy, but he was he did trail maintenance on the uh, on the Appalachian Trail, and I was I'm I'm glad that he you know he uh, took time out of his schedule and arranged you know multiple night backpacking trips so that we could, you know, I could go, go out and experience things. And yeah, you, you, you definitely appreciate life a little differently when you have to dig a hole before you can use the, use the toilet. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So she's a good kid otherwise, but we just had one of those, you know, I was the, I was the dad. I almost did it, but I caught myself from saying back in my day. Back in my day. <laughs> oh man, but you, but you, at least, at least you admit to thinking it. Um, so, oh, great. So, so, so great, great foundation because you know, looking, you know, looking at your, at your work history, I mean, you went, you went straight from this, you went to, uh, a, a, a little known retailer named Foot Locker and you were leading the front end, um, front end development, front end, front end team for, um, for footlocker.com, nflshop.com, and champsports.com. Uh, so, so this is so to give to give people the framing. This is this is 2004. So this is still in the early days of of e-commerce, and and really when I think brand that was about the period where brands, you know, the really large brands were, you know, they were not not even just pushing the envelope. They were kind of inventing the envelope for what these experiences were like in in literally unprecedented times because e-commerce, you know, enterprise e-commerce at, at scale and certainly across multiple front ends just wasn't, it wasn't really a, there wasn't, there wasn't much experience back then. What was, what was that like? Were you all, were you constantly, were you constantly iterating yourselves? What, what was informing the direction that, that the team was taking? Well, I, I got there through dumb luck, by the way. <laughs> so I live <laughs> raise, in this small town. <laughs> it's the, it's 30,000 people middle of nowhere in Wisconsin, but it was home to East Bay, the old, old cataloger um, back in the day. And they actually were one of the very first e-commerce organizations. And when they sold to Foot Locker, they convinced Foot Locker management that they could be the digital arm of Foot Locker. Wow. So in small town, middle of nowhere, America, I mean, literally flyover country, um, there was this footlocker.com outpost there, which was great. And they had been running Cold Fusion um, so that was, I mean, going really back Yep. and I was looking for a summer job and in high school I had built a lot of websites for local businesses. It was a great little side gig, you know, the law firms, those yep. kind of organizations. Yeah. And I, they were, um, advertising in a local newspaper for somebody to come in and it was a temp job and it didn't list the employer and convert Photoshop images to HTML web pages. And I thought, yeah, I can do that. That's pretty easy, you know? And I started doing that and there was nobody leading that team. And I just kind of was pushed into it. And at the same time I was there, there was this, I mean, just an absolute amazing architect. His game is, his name is Guy Morizain. And he was just at the tail end of his career. And he really wanted to mentor someone on his way out. Oh, wow. And I was like 19 at the time. <laughs> Um, 
and he ended up mentoring me. We got along great. And it was just such a good formative experience. And he pushed me further and further down the stack all the way to the database. But my formal responsibility was, was front end. Nobody wants to deal with that. They, they thought it was back in the day. It just didn't have the gravitas it does today. It was seen as an afterthought. Well, that's, that's remarkable, Kelly, because, it, it, and I mean, this is, this is, this is our interview with, with you, but I mean, you know, I, I, for shorthand, I tell people, yeah, I taught myself programming with OS commerce back in, wow. back in 2003, but really where I got to start, my start was with a startup uh, company and the guy had a, he actually, he was, it was a race, it was a race car startup. And one of his sponsors somehow was a, a cold fusion hosting company. So the first site that I ever built was cold fusion. I went on to absolutely make fun of cold fusion as like an illegitimate, you know, uh, programming language, programming markup language for a long time until years into teaching Magento development. I'm like, wait, we basically configured the entire front end. You know, it, it, it's, it's in, in some ways it shares a lot of similarity to cold fusion. And then, um, certainly along the way, uh, you know, the mentors that, that have, ha I've had in my own career. So it sounds like this one mentor for you really just, just took you down, you know, just took you down and ran you down a path that, that you, you seem to have, you know, still be on today. Is that a fair characterization? It is. And he struck this, this combination of, he pushed me like aggressively pushed me to learn new stuff. It's, we're going to do database tomorrow. You know, here's a book, go read it. And I did, you know, and I, I like mentorship. I like having smart people tell me where to go looking for information. And he would give me a lot of challenges. There were just some really great people on that project. It was him and a bunch of others. And I just learned so much. And that's the, you need an early career start like that to really get going. Yeah. Men mentorship is, is, I mean, just, you know, at a personal level can change a life. And then if we look at, if we look at mentorship in, you know, it, probably in any discipline, it is, you know, it is the multiplier that, that propels, you know, civilization forward. Uh, so that is, uh, wow. What a, what a, what a great way to really get things going here. I mean, from, so, so you're, you know, you're there at, at, at Foot Locker for a year and then you you join this little you know this 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 little upstart ATG, which by the way I did not know stood for Art Technology Group, uh, and uh, you know you at ATG you know so this is you know two thousand and five you were there for like six years, um, you know ATG was that was where I mean you were only doing enterprise business. What were your what were your experiences there like? Well, so I'd done Foot Locker for a year, and the project was winding down, and I just got my associate's degree at that point. And I was deciding what I wanted to do. My my girlfriend, now wife, uh, and I were were thinking about: Do we go to Eau Claire, which is you know larger regional university here, or what do we do? And ATG recruited me, and part of that was moving to Chicago. And I'm like, yeah, I like Chicago. Chicago's great. So um, we ended up moving there and uh, got my bachelor's degree and master's degree part time, which took. Uh, a lot longer than it should have, but you know, I was traveling Monday through Friday for years and years and years. Yeah. And, um, I did, I bounced between a lot of different projects. So I did, um, mostly architecture, some hands-on work, but a lot of architecture, a lot of whiteboards. And it was things like, you know, publishing data. How do we get data published appropriately? Um, things like multi-master architecture. So, 
if you've got a big dot-com, I did this for a lot of the Walmart properties, you know, if the state of Iowa gets taken up by a nuclear bomb, you know, how do we get uh, California to instantly pick that up? Not that we'd be dealing with it shopping on a Walmart property then, but, <laughs> you know, I even got a patent on that work. So that was, that was a pretty cool wow. couple of years there I did. Yeah. So that, that's a little bit different scope than like, oh, we need, we need redundancy in case our, you know, we, we need to figure out how to auto scale in case our or Black Friday, you know, yeah. takes takes off. Um, yeah, and, and you actually call that out um, in your, and I think it's worth it's worth you know calling out as its own thing. You were you were chief ATG consultant to Walmart for three years, from 2008 to 2011. Uh, I, you know, that's I'd say that was um, you know that was sort of that that's part of the old Walmart. I, by uh, actually, when I was uh, having the the podcast with with uh, with Rick Watson on the previous previous episode. You know, we we talked about Walmart's execution, you know, especially in the in the in the, in the face of overwhelming success and and sort of market control that Amazon exerts. I, I feel like uh, I've met people at Walmart in the, in the last you know six or seven years, specifically Walmart.com, and it's a lot of smart people, and they really seem to be executing quite well. So I'd actually like to get your take on that because I think it's also it's also relevant how they work and the scale at which they work is quite relevant to what you do. Uh, today with commerce tools with mock alliance um, but we'll we'll I just want to I, I don't want to quickly jump into um, you know you spent time at Oracle five years um, I assume it was that was that part of um, I, I assume that there was a connection there with ATG actually it was separate um, really so I was a consultant and I, I didn't want to be an on the road Monday through Friday you know stay at a you know Hilton Express you know Columbus Airport kind of yeah. guy that I just didn't want to do that. I'd worked with consultants who had stayed too long. It's a fine career. Um, and some people really enjoy it. You know, my, my brother is a lifelong consultant, you know, he's doing great. I personally didn't want that. I wanted to get more into the product side and I had studied MIS for my master's degree, entrepreneurship for my undergraduate degree. And the road to successful entrepreneurship in tech is through product management. And it was kind of a nascent field. I think it's really established itself now. And now we finally have a lot of CPOs out there. But I always saw product and, and the Silicon Valley view of product being the mini CEO of, of a product, right? Product managers as true end-to-end -end owners of their product. And I like that. You know, the old school view was let's get a BA and have them write 500 pages of minute documentation. Um, I, I've done that, um, but that's not something that I particularly enjoyed. I don't think any human would. I, I, I have to, I have to uh, kind of do a, a you know, virtual pull quote on that. You know, product management, like that's that's the real path to success in this industry. And I hadn't really occurred to me, but you know, that's part of the reason we do this podcast is actually is, is because I think a lot of a lot of what people take for like if someone's coming into the industry, you know, today or even a couple years ago, product management in this space is. I mean, it's, 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 it's as, it's as obvious as, as, you know, as, as TCP IP. I mean, it's just, it's fundamental to what we do, but it's interesting to think that of that as a, as a, as a fresh and novel discipline in the space, you know, just, just over a decade ago. It is. I mean, the, the past CEO of uh, Salesforce, Brett Taylor was CPO um, and he got promoted into the CEO role, did really well. The CEO of Kibo, for example, is their former CPO from like, it's a well-established pattern at this point because in um, an executive level product role, you are dealing with finance, with marketing, 
with sales, you know, you're working across the entire business for your respective product. So it's good experience as a general manager or CEO, all right? It's good experience to have that product background. Okay. That's, man, yeah. This is a great podcast. It's a great podcast when the host gets to learn uh, learn a ton in the course of, of, of recording it. Now, uh, you did spend some time, it looks like uh, for, for, for several years, you, uh, you published a few books um, focusing around, you know, e-commerce in the cloud, uh, and really, but, and then the, the general topic though, I think is sort of the, the, the ubiquitous availability of an e-commerce system and how that e-commerce system could be composed and also how it can connect and interact, um, with, with other systems. Uh, you know, but, but thinking, thinking that this trend for you, the books that you've written started back in 2013, I feel like you were, you were well ahead of, the curve, like you, you saw the power of, 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 of well-composed and decoupled systems. And, uh, I'm wondering how much that, that informed, uh, you know, both connected you with commerce tool and then informed where commerce tools has gone. Well, you know, I'm back in my day, <laughs> I'm going to pull that one <laughs> I'm gonna get you a t-shirt back in my day. That. We had these things called physical servers. <laughs> that you had to get off of uh, loading docks and uh, stick them in the ways. data center. <laughs> and then you had to do it yourself or you had to ticket some team and it would go into some workflow for six months. But eventually you'd get ping power and pipe to these servers. And it was ridiculous because during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the retailers that I was working with, they were incentivized to over-provision by an order magnitude, mm. you know? so. If your normal production workload required three full servers, you know, they'd go out and provision 100, 150 servers. And it was obscene because they wanted to over provision because the, I mean, it still is the case, but you know, back in the day, if you screwed up your biggest sales event of the year, you were going to get fired. Yep. So it's like, well, let's, why not? Let's go throw a bunch of money at the problem and make sure that however slammed we get, we're going to stay up. And I was just thought how ridiculous it was to see all that over-provisioning and paying for all the software licenses for all those servers. Yeah. It was obscene. Yeah. And the licensing models were atrocious back then. It was all per core. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say. I remember, you know, I remember, uh, one of the previous platforms I worked for, that was the, because it, it evolved just before like commodity computing became a thing. And so it was, it was all about, Hey, well, if you need to scale up and the only way to scale it was, 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 um, was vertically, um, you couldn't scale, you just couldn't scale it horizontally. Um, so, yeah. but the licensing model is like, well, if you, if you need one time per licensing year to scale up to, you know, 20, you know, 20 cores, um, then, then effects effectively you were like 20 Xing your license. It was, it was, it just. It, it, it was the, the time the, the industry moved or the technology and industry moved much more quickly than the, than the, than the software itself. Yeah. So, you know, I'm at, I'm at Oracle at this point. Um, again, uh, a great mentor there, his name is Mo Offshar. You know, we, we text five times a day. Uh, good guy. Um, but anyway, he, um, you know, he was, uh, leading some cloud products there and I was a, a PM and I was, you know, joining him and it was a great, great team. It was called the Cloud Application Foundation Group. And 
watching Oracle try to enter the cloud space. I know it's not as ridiculous uh, as it sounds today, but back in the day, it was actually <laughs> it was actually doing some pretty cool work, and it was great because. I found this really small company back in the day. It was like 30 people at the time called Docker. <laughs> and, you know, met the founding team there and, you know, had some good discussions. And, you know, like I, I was there in San Francisco for a lot of the founding of this this technology. And I, I thought it was just so amazing to meet these smart people. And what was great about a company like Oracle is they had no problem going out and hiring an architect who really knows what they're doing, they'd pay some of these people five, 10 million bucks a year. So when you're able to go out and hire people like that, and then I, as a product manager, get access to smart people like that, like that's a really good experience. And Oracle would aqua hire these startups all the time and, you know, bring these, you know, hundred X engineers on board. And that was fantastic to listen to people like that talk. I mean, just the smartest people in the world. Yeah. So money, money can can buy some things. <laughs> um, so it was it was a very formative experience, and I thought to myself, you know what? I've been doing commerce for a long time, and the way we were doing it was horribly inefficient. Yep. And you know, going in and kill minus nining misbehaving instances in production wasn't a very smart idea. And then you know, something like containers come along, and then Kubernetes comes along. And working with with Oracle and cloud, and I was part of the Java cloud service team, application container cloud service team, Exologic. And it was really great to be part of all these cloud technologies. And I thought, you know what? Commerce and cloud are just too perfect together. This makes perfect sense. We have yeah. to do something here. So I wrote e-commerce in the cloud, which, by the way, is completely out of date. And I would never <laughs> recommend reading because every single page of it is now out of date. But yeah. it's crazy how much has happened in the past 10 years. And then um, my last year at Oracle, I was responsible for microservices. And that was a really eye-opening experience for me because that was as much technology, yes, but it was also the organization. Rather than have these giant flat organizations where you've got a team of 50 DBAs and 100 ops people and 200 developers, and you would do get others to do work for you by ticketing other teams, horribly inefficient process, but that's what enterprises still do in many cases. Yeah. And microservices was such a cool concept because now you can take seven plus or minus two is kind of the gold standard, you know, take, take a team and of cross-functional people, stick them together, have their interface to the organization be an API and incentivize them to work together as a team. And now when you're in the same team, all you're doing is you're offering up that data and functionality as a clean API and it's really easy to measure the team. Team works really well together. Um, you don't have those artificial boundaries that you have in low trust organizations yep. where you're separated by your technology. Interesting. So you, you know, this really does, and and, and not in, you know, the. There can be some some political. I'm, I'm going to ask you a political question um, before before this is over. But I think there can there can be I think a pointless politics around. Uh, you know, t technological approaches. You know, I think there, 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 there is a there is a fit to different you know different sizes of businesses and different needs that those businesses have. But I, 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 the the appeal of what you're describing is that you know you actually have a, a reasonable connection between this group of people working together and and the domain for which they're responsible. And it and it it isn't that difficult to um, 
you know, you don't, you don't have to do a lot of work to really actually assess, you know, the, you know, performance from, from an application standpoint, from a, from an, you know, integration standpoint, and then from what the team is actually accomplishing that, that, that is, that seems really, really nice. Right. Well, like I'll give you a good example. So you know, I, I was on the DSW shoes project yep. for a while, right? Pretty standard e-commerce use case. They sell shoes online, right? Yep. And I remember one simple requirement that we had um, was to capture the customer's shoe size in their profile. Pretty standard request, right? And if I had access to the entire production system, I could have done it. You could have set a stopwatch. I could have done it in 30 seconds flat. I could still, to this day, I know how to you know, add the column to the table, update the ORM layer, right? Uh, there's a profile component, you update that, and then you modify the form handler and ATG. Like simple stuff, right? This is not difficult at all to do. But you have to ticket all these different teams. And that's where you end up with six-month delays on stuff like that. Simple requirement. But you know, you put you have to document everything so carefully whenever you're crossing an organizational boundary, because the DBA team has a very clear set of requirements. You have to fill out this database change request form, right? And there are 50 fields you have to fill out. It's obnoxious, right? For what? You know, to alter a single table? Like, how ridiculous is that? But as a team, that's their job. That yep. database is their, is their temple. It's their castle. And they want to keep, you know, people like me out of it, which yeah. I understand. Well, in, in, in that setup, they become the accretion point for like, for, you know, all sorts of cross-cutting concerns. And, and, you know, that, that they become, I guess the, is it, well, actually I should ask, is it that in that setup, they become the, the point where they can make, they could just make one arbitrary change, but then that, that, that might have knock on effects. So they actually have to consider they're, they're sort of responsible for considering what, what works and doesn't work for for the entire organization. Yeah, right. So. Because everything is so tightly coupled, yep. but you know, what's great about cloud is so another part of the reason we had these specialized teams is because back in the day, if you were a DBA, that was because you were certified because you had the right tooling, because you had the right experience. It was really hard to do non-trivial changes to a database. And if you wanted to set up a, a rack cluster or Golden Gate or you know any of the other you know active passive failover, like there are a hundred things you could do, data garden, right? Like that was all pretty complicated to do. So I get it. And in that world where you have centralization and you have one database, that one thing becomes really complicated. But what's great about cloud is any idiot out there can go out and provision a data store from any one of the cloud vendors, right? I mean, I could I could have my 11-year-old daughter give her an hour. I'll bet she could probably figure out how to get a database, <laughs> right? It's not hard these days. Yeah. Same with servers, right? Yep. You don't need to be a networking expert anymore. It's just not necessary. So the, the barrier has come way down. And now that you can just give cloud access to a team and say, go do it. We're going to judge you based on the API. And here's a menu of stuff you can choose from within your cloud. Cloud makes microservices totally easy. Where before I understand why things were the way they were, but it doesn't make sense anymore. Yep, yep. That, that's a really, it's a, again a really good perspective to have. That that really this this ideal world that you're talking about at the, the the scale at which you're talking about does not make sense back when again you know, the the previous episode with Rick Watson he was talking about well you know we had to we decided we needed to uh, 
you know, we need we needed a more robust hosting solution. So we we literally had to idle the site for six hours, pull our servers out of the closet, and yeah. physically drive them across town so they could be co-located at a data center. Wow. Kids these days have no idea what we're talking about, do they? They don't know, man. And, and again, it was it was uphill both ways. Um, yes. So, um, so that is a great. Uh, I, I mean, it's a very clear journey that you went on, um, and, and it makes sense then that that you know as you get into you know, your commerce tools, and I think your founder didn't Dirk like coin the term headless commerce. He did in 2013. Yep. So he so so he was you know also uh, a fairly fairly prescient. Um, uh, fairly prescient person in this industry, and it makes sense that that you know that, that you two eventually uh, you know, meet up in in 2016. Um, you know, I guess you 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 brought a lot to the Commerce Tools organization, and and in so doing, say, hey, you know what? This is this is a moment. We we are finally at a place where the uh, you know the, the 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 what's available to organizations around the world is such that we can, you know, various players in and around the commerce space um, can can all talk about, you know, they need a they need a common framework, common diction, um, and and a, a common frame of reference, and and, and sort of in a, in a community in which they can um, share culture and communicate and 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 plan and and innovate, and that is uh, that is the mock alliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What was the, what was the, when was the moment where you're like, wait, this, this really, this needs to be a thing. This needs to be something that, that a space that we carve out for this to happen. Commerce tools or mock alliance? Uh, sorry, mock, yeah, mock alliance. Um, actually it was, uh, Sonia, uh, Creole, she came to me. So she was actually at a pub. I was supposed to be there, but I couldn't make it. It was in London ah. and she was there, uh, with Matt Bradbeer. And who else was there? Um, James Semple was there. And um, who else was there? Sorry. Um, Stephen Fokama. And they were there and actually sketched it out the idea on a napkin. Um, I had been having similar discussions internally about could we do something around community? And the team uh, thought to reach out to me to to go found this thing. Um, I'm okay at executing. <laughs> it's hard to go from napkin to execution. So um, I registered the 501c6. So we're a nonprofit and did the articles of incorporation. And I actually had to be talked off the ledge a few times, almost, uh, almost decided this wasn't going to work. So I'd seen these things fail so many times in the past. And I'll still credit Sonia and then Leonie uh, we work with quite a bit as well. They both talked me down and actually I talked them down too. So it was <laughs> a very tentative launch the first time is none of us were at all positive this thing was going to work. And we had spent a lot of other people's money to get to that point. <laughs> yeah, but we did it. And we launched with, uh, we had five founders, we each threw in a hundred thousand bucks and then we launched with 13 members total and we're now at 87. And actually as of today, we just had uh, PayPal be our 80, Eighth member now. Oh wow! You heard it here. Uh, breaking news on the uh, on the podcast, which no one's going to hear for at least a, a week or two. Uh, well, congratulations on that. Um, and and also, yeah, I, I'm I'm familiar with with trade associations in this space. Uh, it is it is not for the not for the faint of heart, and it's but it, and it's not unlike any 
other entrepreneur, it's not unlike any other entrepreneurial uh, endeavor in that you, you, you don't necessarily know it's going to succeed until it does. But then now that it's successful, and, and I, I should you know, share with our audience that you, know, you, were, you were kind enough to, um, you know, to, to, make, to, to make me feel welcome at uh, the uh, Mock Alliance festivities in Amsterdam recently at the, the Mach 2 uh, conference now. And I will go ahead and say I was welcomed into the networking event. I did not take a single spot because I know those spots <laughs> at the conference were precious. But it was interesting that day following along with the posts on um, on LinkedIn, the, the, the announcements and the camaraderie, I really appreciated the camaraderie. And then, uh, especially at the, at the Bloomreach social at the, at the, at the awesome W in Amsterdam on, on Spelstrat, um, that was, that was, that was a vibe. I, uh, I, I really appreciate that happens in the commerce space. I mean, I saw it, I saw it in the Magento world. I see it, I see it in the shopware world. And I, I definitely felt, I felt the, I felt the magic of the work and all of the ledge walking that you all have have done over the years to say like, Hey, we've got this space now where people can just, they can come and we have a, we, we have a common context and let's just go out and get stuff done. Uh, right. So that's a heck of an accomplishment. Now, um, commerce tools. Uh, so, you know, you've, you've, this is, this is where, where things will get, things will get a little interesting here because you know, you, you all have uh, have some great customer references, and I think you've helped sort of define this space. Um, are there, are, you know, are there things that you wish you would have done differently, or done sooner, or not done at all in your time at at, at, at Commerce Tools? And and folks, by the way, there is there is no preparation allowed for for these podcasts. So I am I am throwing all these. I'm always throwing questions like this at our guests just so we can get a nice unfiltered response oh i have so many learnings um separating teams by function doesn't work um for a while we had the front end team for business user tooling in munich and the back end team in berlin hmm. um did not work uh teams are best when they're cross-functional and co-located well, I can tell you now that I have much more experience working with Germans, Bavarians are a very interesting lot. <laughs> um, well, so that's that's a really that's a really good finding, though. I mean, and that that now is that is that more uh, sorry is that internal tooling or is this an, is this an outward facing part of the the application? This is the business user tooling, so this is internally facing, yeah, okay. but it's it's kind of a, a flagship part of our product. Um, you know, also I I wish I would have. Um, I wish I would have let go of people faster, to be honest. You know, a few people haven't worked out over time, as happens when you hire. Mm -hmm. And I've made the mistake for myself, for the company, and for the employee who is also miserable. And I always thought, you know what? I can work with them. I can make this better. Let's change the role. Let's do some coaching. And it never, ever works out. Wow. Yeah, I've... I, th I think there is a difference with, with people who are have had firing, hiring and firing responsibility. Uh, that was a big change in my career. I was lucky to have, as it turns out, a, a German. I was working in an agency, a German COO who was who walked me through, and he gave me a great framework for it, uh, which is that you know once 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 it's apparent to the organization that it is not working out, the absolute the, it, it, the best and most fair thing you can do is make that 
action happen as quickly as possible because then the organization can move on and the person can move on with his or her career much, you know, much more quickly. I also recently, I mean, this was in the last week or two, uh, saw a little quip on, you know, TikTok or something with uh, someone asked Gary V about this, you know, Gary Vanderchuk. And, and he, and he said, he said, you know, that that's a big problem is, you know, the reason people, it's tough to it's tough to fire someone you've hired because you end up with a little bit of ego wrapped up in it. I'm not saying that's the case for you, but you think you've done, you know, you think you've got the right person, you've got them in the right place, and and I think a lot of times it's maybe even subconscious. Yeah, you don't want to admit you screwed up as a manager. Yeah, yeah. You know but, your judgment's wrong. But in right. fact, it's like it again. If you if you go to that that framework of get people where they need to be as quickly as possible, yeah, the best thing you can do is is put in the the put in the feedback mechanisms. And everything else to make sure that 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 you you can quickly tell, like just like I mean, just like you you would do any other kind of uh, you know entrepreneurial or, or business initiative, you want to try it out and fail fail it fast. Yeah, and something I've I've learned recently, uh, and I'll largely credit Mike Sharp for this, um, who's been with us for a year as CPO. Um, he has this approach of disagreeing and committing. And openly documenting things. So he'll put together PRFAQs and get um, the the important, you know, the the stakeholders in a project to sign off. And whether that's, you know, our approach to going into uh, HIPAA compliance or mm -hmm. China or, you know, do we do a new product, right? And it's a good open way of capturing feedback, making sure that you have real deep alignment and... Then there's also this component of it where you can disagree with it, but still commit to doing it, right? And and there are decisions we've taken on occasion where I'll say, you know what? I disagree with this. Yeah. I think it's a bad move, but clearly the consensus is that we should do it um, or we're being forced to do it for some reason. But now that I disagree, I'm, uh, and my disagreement has been, has been known, I'm also going to shut up and commit and do it <laughs> and not, not, uh, you know, not sabotage it or any, you know, willingly or unwillingly. Right. Yeah. And I just like that. It's much more open and transparent. And I used to have this view of like, okay, I'm in a meeting, I'm CPO, you know, we all have a great discussion. Well, that's it. It's a, it's a done deal. We're going to do HIPAA compliance. Right. We all agreed to it. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> there needs to be more than that. Right. Yeah. It needs to be a longer PR FAQ an Amazon style PR FAQ, get it in writing, get it committed and then, you know, maybe later you reevaluate or change, but you know, like I, I think that has been so valuable for us as a company to have cross-functional alignment done at the minute paper level and have it clearly documented that everybody signs off on that. Yeah. So that's, I love that. That's interesting. So that, that, you know, it sounds to me like just a, it's an acceptance, you know, it's kind of, it's a, it's an acceptance framework, um, where, you know, it, it, I went to a small Quaker school, so that's that's where like consensus was 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 literal consensus in student government. One person could block mm. uh, anything from moving forward, and even at a school of fourteen hundred people, that's that's you know that's a that's a tall it's a tall order. But you know what I did find was actually be, because the culture was uh, it was applied evenly. It was everything was it was it was known to everyone. You would just go on record like I'm I'm abstaining, and that abstention was well you know I. I it's not my, it's not something I would agree with, but I can, you know, I, it, I, I don't disagree so strongly that I want to completely block this from happening that I can see how that, that would, uh, that would kind of keep ideas flowing, keep the business flowing over time. Um, 
man, that's really that's really cool. We are we're actually getting this was a quick conversation. I feel like we're we're getting towards the the end of time here. So uh, I wanted to uh, just quickly quickly get your take on uh, you know the what the trends of today. You know what you obviously obviously AI is 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 the bee's knees and everywhere right now. But um, what are the things that that make you that, that get you really excited about the industry? Uh, the commerce industry today, and 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 is there anything that you see coming down the pipe um, that that you think people should be paying attention to? And I mean, it could be a a, a principle, a technology, a business, a, a personality. But yeah, um, so I'm excited that at least at the upper enterprise level, where where we you know are, are really dominant. So, and I'm talking like 500 million plus GMV, right? This yeah. is not the this is not smaller, um, and the smaller end of the market. I think the existing approaches are are great, but at the upper enterprise, folks are uh, discarding their legacy platforms in droves, and they're doing a mock based approach. And what I like is they're going out and buying the absolute best vendor in the world for their specific business problem. Okay, and it's great because you know you look at the CMS space. There are a hundred CMSs on the market. Yeah. There are a thousand of them, right? And at least at the top tier, you know, whether it's Contentful, Content Stack, Ampliance, I think are all three of them are really solid solutions. But for various reasons, you know, an organization will gravitate towards one or another. And that's fine. That's great, right? It's an open marketplace, it's an ideas marketplace, it's a it's almost a Darwinian system. Yeah. And I think that's that's great. Organizations should find the product that suits them best. And integrations are dramatically easier today than they ever used to be. Organizations are building technical competency, which is great. Um, organizations are able to increasingly buy all these products through a uh, marketplace in a cloud. So the market is very much shifting towards what we do. And we're moving away from, hey, I'm going to install Hybris to I'm going to swap out my uh, promotion engine for Talon One, or I'm going to swap out my checkout for commerce tools, right? And it's an incremental evolution rather than this, hey, we're going to go live with the Hybris project on this date. And I love that. Yeah, I love that approach too, because it, it's, you know, at, at your end of the market, um, yeah, things things work the way you describe it. And certainly, and that's what, you know, that's what we've gone for um, you know, on, on, on our side of things where we, you know, we, we take a certain, you know, underlying technical approach, but, but the, the, the goal is the same that you have, you have the, the freedom to select the, the right solution that from thankfully multiple right solutions. So it's not just, oh, well, this is the one best CMS in the world. Like that construct doesn't exist. It is. Uh -huh. We have several great CMSs or promotion engines or personalization engines or whatever to choose from. Uh, let's find the vendor that we like to work with the best and, and maybe and, and get down into the nuances. Say, oh, well, here's, here's just the, the, the subtle differentiations among these choices. Isn't it great that we actually get to pick the one that is even better suited for us? I think it is a good time to be in this industry. It's this big meritocracy. And what I love to see are vendors who do one thing really, 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 really well. And, you know, Talent One is, I don't know how many people there are, you know, 400, 500 people. All they do is promotions. Yeah, I know they would probably say they do more, but like, <laughs> you know, they, they just do that one thing. You know, we at Commerce Tools do uh, products, we do customers, we do checkout, right? We've got 700 people laser focused on those three 
areas, but we can have, you know, we can devote a lot of dev resources to those three things. You know, you've got companies like Algolia and Constructor who do search and just dominate that field. Yeah. So I love seeing companies where the founders have a ton of experience in a space and they are just maniacally focused on over-excelling in exactly one thing. Because we came from this world of, well, yeah, ATG has a promotion engine, sure. That's fine, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like you go product by product across the entire stack and the reason you bought a platform, an all-in-one platform, is because it was all there out of the box and that was fine. And back in the day, you just wanted to get online, check the box, you know, the the checkout or, you know, whatever piece it was, was probably good enough. But now we're getting into an era where you need real substantial competitive differentiation, right? You need to use a commerce tools checkout, right? You need to use, uh, uh, you know, a goalie or constructor search, right? Always hard to name vendors to avoid playing favorites, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, some of these examples are obvious. And then I think it's fair to call out the search is a perfect example of this because, you know, in my, my background coming from PHP, uh, my SQL based systems, like one of the first things that was regularly sort of outsourced, uh, you know, basically well, integrated to improve was the search space because you know, my SQL is pretty, uh, rudimentary search functionality. Um, and so then you, you would, you would see things like Apache, uh, Lucene come in, you have, you have, you want fuzzy matching, you want, and you need, you need technology design for that. And then of course it, it, it immediately proceeded from there to, um, well, Hey, this, this solution has now been integrated across, you know, multiple verticals, multiple geographies. We now have, are, are now getting, and we're processing, you know, we're, we're grabbing search data and we're processing it centrally. Wow! Wait, this 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 now informs. We know it converts mm -hmm. better, and that's that. That for me was like a next, the the next evolution step in in terms of finding those vendors that have, um, you know, machine learning chops. I mean, and this is getting back in like 2013 or or so. And and of course, these 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 businesses are all very well set up. The the recommendations, search, uh, personalization to. You know, they're the ones I that I think have the the in-house expertise already to really take advantage of machine learning and and the the this this new era of AI. Uh, that's probably a fair characterization, right? Yeah, specialization always wins. And I'll give you an example. Um, we at Commerce Tools have search. It's based on Elasticsearch. Yep. I will be the first person to say our search is fine. It's okay. Yeah. And that's okay, right? It's not an area that we've chosen to go deep on. About half of our customers use it. And we as a company are the very first people to say, hey, you know what? It looks like you're not going to be able to use our search out of the box. Would you like an introduction to any number of search partners that we work with? Yeah. Or based on your requirements, we think vendor X would be a better fit for you. And that's the right approach is not trying to BS your way through a sale and pretend that you can do everything. Instead, it's knowing what you do well. And if you don't do that other thing well, then you make a referral so that the customer is taken care of. And and that is I just that is a great it is it really truly is a great time to be in this business because I think that that level of of um, honesty and, and directness in sales uh, is possible in part because the technology buyer is more experienced and more sophisticated and 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 more understanding that yes we're we you know we're selecting a a system with 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 portability flexibility. And we want 
the kind of we but we want to we want to select the kind of I won't say platform I'll say solution um, we want we want the kind of solution that allows us to do you know to, to, to bring in best of best of breed for our needs yeah best of breed for our needs that's exactly it but there's a different way of doing business these days and I'm a big fan of it it's incremental pricing it's openness it's transparency it's uh, very product-led as a company, you know, having technical people running the company. You know, Dirk is very much a developer at heart, you know, very much running C as CEO of Commerce Tools. Yep. Like, I like to see that. I like to see um, us working together to expand the market and educate the market. Um, there's just a different way of doing things. And, you know, I, I come out of the Oracle tradition. Again, it's great people there, but... That's just not something that I thought was a terribly sustainable business model. Although their stock price would disagree with me, but whatever. <laughs> no, that's that's. Uh, yeah. I think we can we can uh, leave the stocks and <laughs> the stock speculation. Uh, that is that is an entirely separate concern. Um, I did promise that I was gonna I was gonna ask you one uh, deeply political question, and I'm and it's based on that's your right. time. Um, it's based on your time in uh, Chicago. Uh, okay. Giordano's or Luminati's or Pequod's? Uh, neither. Paisano's. Paisano's. Paisano's had the absolute best thin crust. And it was this buttery. Oh, it was good. I, yeah, I think one of my last trips there, I might have actually had a slice. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was right. It was right by, it was right by my hotel. Uh, I've tried them. I've tried them all. I, I'm still digesting my first piece, I think of Chicago deep dish pizza. <laughs> those things are, those things are massive. Well, Kelly, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, this could go on for a while. Um, and, and you know, folks, this, this is not the only place you can catch Kelly Getch on a podcast. Uh, uh they have the, uh, he's part of the commerce tomorrow podcast. Uh, and in fact, I believe you had, um, you had, uh, at least one of my founders from uh, Shopware on Sebastian. Yeah. Sebastian, yeah, great. So you know, this is uh, this is one of the things I, I really do like about where commerce is these days. Uh, you've got you've got platforms working together, um, you know, in this space. And we all, we I think we all, the good ones anyway, want to make sure that that merchants brands get on the best solution for them. Is that a fair way to leave this? We call it coopetition. Coopetition and. You know, our view is this is a giant market. It's about a $12 billion a year market. There's absolutely enough uh, in this for everyone. What matters most is that we uh, we know our respective lanes where we can make customers the most successful. And we have just very different lanes, and that's fine. And I talk to our competitors all the time, but they're not rare. We're ever just up against a head-to-head. -head. It's a you know showdown between two. It's typically... Anyway, longer discussion, but and to, I mean, to answer your question directly, you know, working with competitors is good. It can expand the overall market and make everyone happier. And we're always giving referrals out to competitors. Other competitors are referring business to us. It's nice that we're able to work together as an ecosystem. Yeah, the better the better we all do our jobs, uh, the better off this industry is. Uh, more, more money, resources, and just downright enjoyment and efficiency for everyone. I, I love the message. Uh, Kelly, absolute pleasure. Uh, look forward to running, uh, running across you again, uh, probably some trade show sometime in the not too distant future. But thanks a lot for taking part of the podcast. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, folks, that wraps up episode four. Uh, we'll see you for episode five.